Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. You're a one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Director of Outreach and Faith Formation here at St. Paul's Cathedral in San Diego. And I'm Maya Little Sonia, and I'm the Youth Minister. And I'm Jackie Pippin, and I'm the Digital Resource Curator. Jackie, tell everybody where you are today. I am back in Japan. Wow. Full circle. (laughs) Full circle. Jackie, what's it like in Japan today? Uh, Let me tell you, it has basically been raining for, I don't know, three weeks straight. We've had some typhoons, but let me tell you, here's my fact about Japan for you guys today. Japan has enormous spiders where like their body of them is as big as half your fist. What? And so they're not the type of spider where you can like crush with a paper towel. Yeah. They're not paper towel crushing spiders. These giant spiders are in your home? (laughs) Um, well, so last summer there was one, it, he got in, we have two panes of glass for our windows and he got inside one pane. And so I had to shut the other pane until Scott got home from, from his trip because I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I got home and Scott's already been home <laughs> and we're walking up the front door and he begins to introduce me to the three spiders that are living near our front door right now oh. that are all named. Oh, <laughs> so yesterday we go out and I was like, oh, is that so and so? And he was like, no, that's not him. He lives over here in this corner. <laughs> you silly. <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah, I'm so naive. Yeah, it's terrifying. I hate that. I literally took off my headphones while we were talking about that. Wow. Speaking of terrifying and scary things, today's gospel. <laughs> uh, we're in proper 10 this week. And uh, like every week, the Faith to Go resources are based on the gospel reading for this Sunday, uh, Sunday, July 15th, Pride Sunday in San Diego. So that's good. Um, And you can find all those resources at www.stpaulcathedral.org slash faith to go, where you can also sign up for our weekly email to get all of those resources sent to you Sundays in your inbox. Um. But before we get into our discussion, Maya is going to read the gospel for this Sunday, which is Mark 6, 14, 29. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing he was, righteous, he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. 
And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, I will give you, even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the Baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptizer on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in, in the prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they, took, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Boy. So, a uh, family-friendly gospel for this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, really nice and uplifting. Um, <laughs> really edifying. And <laughs> so this is, a not, this is a weird gospel because Jesus is not in it. Um, this is the longest narrative in, the go- in any of the gospels uh, not about Jesus. And so it also is, requires a little bit of context. So if you listen to the um, podcast last week, this is the story directly after the reading from last week, which was Jesus sending out the 12 disciples. So when it says that King Herod heard of it, it is the it that it's referring to is the 12 disciples going out and you know preaching this message of repentance and healing people and people being cured. So the end of the story from last week is talking about the disciples. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. So this is an indication that um, the people, this ministry in in Galilee was starting to pick up some buzz uh, in the streets. There were people talking about it. People were starting to talk about what Jesus was doing, especially now that he had disciples and representatives going out individually, well, two by two, and uh, preaching and healing people on his behalf. So this Jesus movement is gaining momentum. It's gaining a crowd, and it's gaining some notoriety. And it's made its way all the way up to Herod, who is the ruler of this area of Judea, this Galilee um, region, which is around the Sea of Galilee, and incom- includes Nazareth, which is Jesus' hometown, a large town called Sepphoris, and the place where Herod lives, Tiberias. And Sepphoris and Tiberias are the two big cities there. So um, Herod, this Herod is not the same Herod that was uh, the ruler of this region when Jesus was born. That was this Herod's father. So this is Herod Antipas, A-N-T-I-P-A-S, Herod the Great was this Herod's father. So this Herod isn't actually a king, though it calls him King Herod. He's not that great. This Herod is something they called a tetrarch because Herod the Great, um, who had been appointed by Rome to rule the whole area of Judea, had split up his kingdom amongst his sons um, when he died. So this is Herod ruling this very small region of Galilee and therefore is becoming aware of this growing movement in his area of the country. And uh, this is also a reference back to a very quick verse in the first chapter of Mark's gospel that refers to John being arrested by Herod. And John being arrested by Herod is kind of the kickoff for Jesus' ministry. 
so John is arrested by Harris and then John is arrested by Herod and then Jesus starts going out and preaching the good news of the coming of the kingdom of God. So this story is sandwiched between the disciples going out and then the disciples coming back in and reporting to Jesus how everything is gone and then the feeding of the 5,000. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's weird. That's it has a weird it. feel odd. to it. It's bizarre. It's like a, it's like a reference back to uh, John being arrested. It comes on the heels of Jesus sending the, out the twelve. It begins. It's the beginning. It's the first time that this conversation of trying to identify who exactly Jesus is comes up, and and then it's sandwiched between what seems like could just be a, a consistent narrative of the disciples going out and then coming back, but instead the author of Mark has inserted this interesting narrative yeah, about John the Baptist being killed in a pretty weird and gruesome way. (laughs) So at the the request of a, assuming a a teenage girl. Um, So that's the context for this week. uh, Proper 10, Mark 6, 14 through 29. And so now we're each going to take a few minutes to highlight something from the gospel so the thing that I want to highlight is the very beginning of the story Uh, it says King Herod heard of it for Jesus' name had become known some were saying John the baptizer had been raised from the dead and for this reason these powers are at work in him but others said it is Elijah and others said it is a prophet like one of the prophets of old but when Herod heard of it he said John whom I beheaded has been raised so it's pretty clear that um, these three options were the leading uh, guesses as to who Jesus was. Because we've heard in up until this point in Mark, there have been a number of different times where people, even at his rejection in Nazareth, people said, who is this? Where did he get all these things? You know, People would say, how does he teach with such authority? And where did he get these teachings? Right. So the questions have been asked, but now people are starting to try to make some identifications from some historical Jewish figures, one of them being the prophet Elijah, one of them being just a prophet, like the prophets of old, and another one being John the Baptist. And so for the readers of Mark's gospel, for John the Baptist raised from the dead to be an option, John the Baptist has to be dead. And, and has so not Mark has to died. explain, oh, wait, let me tell you about this. Right. And so when, when we get further along in Mark to that story in chapter 8 when Uh, Jesus will explicitly ask his disciples, who do people say that I am? These will again be the three options that they present to him as things that they're hearing people say. And then if you remember from that story, Peter will follow up uh, with Jesus after Jesus asks them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter will say, you are the Messiah. So, but Messiah is not yet in the conversation. So, um, I'm interested in this very beginning part because... I'm trying to kind of pull, I'm trying to kind of get into Herod's head here and figure out what this is kind of teaching me about humanity. Um, Because Herod's, Herod is very confident that this is John the Baptist whom he beheaded uh, and that he has been raised from the dead. And I like this because it resonates with me in the way that I... Um, kind of 
do my own projecting of what I want Jesus to be onto Jesus instead of sometimes staying open to who Jesus is and who God is and how God is moving in my life. It's much more comfortable to label something than to um, leave it open to the possibilities, to leave it in ambiguity. And not only that, but Herod here is reacting out of his own guilt. He's like, he's labeling Jesus out of his own baggage, and then we learn why he is guilty. Because through this story, it seems that Herod has kind of backed himself into a corner and is responsible for killing John the Baptist. And this is haunting him, it would seem. Uh, And so it makes me kind of aware of the ways that I am projecting some of my own past or my own needs or my own um, baggage onto Jesus rather than, and, and especially onto God instead of, and kind of a reminder to say, you know, back up and maybe just hold the space uh, for the possibilities of who God is. That as much as uh, I am changing, I need to be able to change how I am understanding God as I see God moving in the world and see God moving in me. And so in the same way that Herod, because because the people are saying uh, it is Elijah, it is a prophet, but Herod is like, no, certain that it is John the Baptist. And he is certain because of his own feelings of guilt, not because he actually knows. Right. Because it's clear that it's not John the Baptist. And... Yeah, and so when when that happens, it it cuts off from the idea of Jesus is Jesus. Jesus would have been really life giving and transformative for mm-hmm. him, but he says no. It's because of this, and mm. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and I just feel like for a lot of people, even though John the Baptist, like if it was John the Baptist resurrected, that would have not been a good thing. I feel like for him, it would have been kind of kind of spooky. Yeah, um, right. and we're more comfortable with labeling some things that is definite and clear, mm-hmm. even if it's awful and dreadful and bad, mm-hmm. than the uncertain and unknown. And we're not open to that. We'd rather it be something bad than potentially good. But. Yeah. And it's kind of a pointer to the fact that when I am, when I can't hold mystery and instead react with certainty, it's actually out of my own fear yeah. and not be out of, out of what is actually infol- unfolding in front of it me. It defaults you know, on your own insecurity. Yeah. 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 Kind of, building off of your thing <laughs> about being shut down and immobile. Um, I feel, I, I just, I don't know, I relate in a certain way. Yes, I am a adolescent person in America in the 21st century, but I relate to this dude, like, <laughs> because this Tetrarch guy, because he was just so backed into a corner. Like, he was trying so hard to be cool (laughs) at this party. I can relate to making promises that I can't keep and being so um, willing and so so other people-pleasing that Mm. I sacrifice my values. Mm -hmm. I sacrifice my relationship um, with God. I rather cut God off than other people because I know other people are more tangible and that they're validation is more immediate mm-hmm. than God's. I can't see that as much. Yeah, because it seems pretty clear that though Herod Herod seems pretty conflicted with, with John because 
it seems like it says here, Herod feared John, knowing that he was righteous and a holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. So there was something resonating with Herod about John, the, the message that John was preaching. The John that was the, you know, the, the predecessor to Jesus, the John that it's very possible that Jesus was a disciple of out in the wilderness before he was baptized. You know, like there is a consistency between John's message and then Jesus building off of John's message once John is arrested. Mm-hmm. And so, so there are things that are resonating with Herod and... And he's kind of in this in-between place, the whole story of wanting to, like, hold on to his power and, like you're saying, his reputation and also kind of being pulled by this message of repentance that John is preaching. Yeah, it's just you're compromising yourself. Mm-hmm. And even if it wasn't a belief system, even if you didn't believe that John the Baptist was God, you're compromising something that is beneficial, that you enjoy for other people mm-hmm. and what they want. Mm-hmm. Because they did this little thing for you, and then you think you owe them the world, mm-hmm. or half your kingdom, mm-hmm. or the head of John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I can really relate to that. I was, I'm a huge people pleaser to my own, mm-hmm. like, detriment. And mm-hmm. um, Herod's a pretty lukewarm guy when it comes to... Um, John the Baptist. Yeah, he's ruthless, but we're talking about he just, like, lets these things happen, kind of. And, yeah. Yeah. That would force him, confront him to make a decision. So, So Jackie. What do you think, Jackie? Um, Well, to round us out, um, the disciples had to go and get John's body. Mm -hmm. Which is risky. It's risky because, uh, you know, they have to they already have to talk to someone in authority. Mm-hmm. Like they have to make themselves known mm-hmm. as being on John's side. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but they have to because they know that it. They know that it's right. They know that a proper burial is right. And um, I think that that's really important because they know. They know that in their heart they have to do this other really hard thing. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that that's really important today when we see lots of news stories of all of the things that are going wrong in the world. Mm -hmm. And in some ways I know that I just want to live in my bubble and know that I'm doing what is right and I'm doing these other things and I'm contributing to making the world a better place. But I, it it is a reminder that I also have to take a stand. I also have to make this outward example of myself in what I should be doing and what I know we should be doing as Christians. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard. Yeah. And I I think, Um, I think there's also in that line of thought, there's a, there's a juxtaposition here of the action and courage of John in the face of that power uh, and the disciples, like you're saying, in the face of that power structure, that oppressive power structure of Rome, and Herod's inaction in the face mm-hmm. of his ability to really make whatever he wants to happen, happen. So it's like the people that are oppressed and powerless are actually the ones taking action and doing what they need to do. Making things happen. Doing what they feel called to do. And the, the person in power is the one not acting at all and just kind of passively letting things happen. 
So I think there's something there is something about the fact uh, there's there's this is like a great um, a great illustration of how inaction is actually is actually actively working against the common good. Right, because yes. that to do nothing is actually to do something against what you might even believe to be right. That to believe that I want to help and do something and not actually do something, just just because I believe something should happen doesn't mean that I'm helping it actually come into fruition in the world. I think this is an important time to quote Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak and not to act is to act. And so in the face of systemic oppression, Herod, Herod's inaction leads to death and destruction and further oppression. Okay, so we have three things. The first thing is about in life being able to hold space for the unknowability and the mystery of God. As much as we can be sure that we are in relationship and union with the divine, it is about not uh, labeling um, and not labeling Jesus and not labeling God and being able to uh, hold the ambiguity um, of, of those two identities in a way that uh, is hard but is really life-giving uh, in that we can you know, learn to hold a mystery. The second thing is about um, discerning what is resonating with you and where you are feeling called in the face of cultural pressure and peer pressure and people-pleasing and that need to be okay with everybody, sometimes in the face of direct conflict with what we believe and how we want to be in the world. And that led to number three, which was about acting and in the face of oppression, taking action. And that inaction uh, eventually leads to just as much oppression as actively oppressing. So those are the three themes we found in the gospel today, and we um, give those to you and hope that you'll be able to keep them in mind as you have your discussions about faith uh, based on this gospel this week using the Faith to Go resources. Um, but before we end, Maya is going to read the gospel one more time, having had that discussion. See if you can hear anything new come out of the reading for this week. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, 
Whatever you ask me, I will give you, even half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. All right, that's our episode for this week. Make sure you go check out the Faith to Go resources at www.stpaulcathedral.org slash faith to go, where you can also sign up for our weekly email that comes out every Sunday that includes all of those resources. Make sure you rate and review this podcast to help other people find it, and follow us on Instagram at faith to go. We'll be back in your feed next week, but until then, bye everyone. Bye.